Welcome to the All Things Podcast. It is our last show for 2020, and I am super excited to share a conversation I had recently with Carol Tetzloff. She is the newest team member at Redemption Press and an author in process as well. I want to share our conversation from a few days ago, but first, let me give her a proper introduction. She is on staff at Mesa Baptist Church as Creative Arts Director and Women's Ministry Director. She is the coordinator for Women's and Leadership Retreats through Southwest Church Connection. She is a teacher and author. Her first published Bible study releases in spring 2021 under the Redemption Press imprint titled Ezra, Unleashing the Power of Praise, Rebuilding Broken to Beautiful Through Worship. So let's get started. She has some incredible insight that will be a blessing to all of us as we move into this new year of 2021 and say goodbye to 2020. Well, Carol, it is such a delight to have you on today. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while, actually. So welcome to the All Things Podcast today. Thank you, Athena, for having me. I have listened to your podcast many times, so it's actually really fun to be a guest. Yeah. And we're going to have you on as a author guest next year. So I'm super excited about that. But I'm just thrilled to have you on today as we wrap up 2020 on the All Things Podcast and look to a new year. So let's get this show started. Tell us to begin with what your Romans 828 story looks like. And you know, how can we all glean from that to prepare for our new year? Well, I think as we head into this new year, we all have dreams for 2021. But yet, even within our dreams, we can't waste what 2020 has taught us in all the craziness. Some of those dreams are obvious to us and obvious to others. But some of our dreams are tucked away in our hearts and secret to anyone except ourselves. As we plan and prepare for 21, we can't help but look back and wonder if it's going to be any better. And as the theme of this podcast reminds us, all things will work together for good. But many of us may be wondering what good is found in all that's going on in our world and how can I move beyond what has happened in the past? Can God take the circumstances that I have and make something good of it? Will my dreams come true this year? I think of my three-year-old grandson. He is obsessed with a garbage truck. Every time he hears it, he runs out the door and he watches the truck pick up the trash and dump it into the back. Anything big truck is his obsession. And he even got a waste management truck for Christmas. I think if you were to ask him, what do you want to be when you grow up? What are your dreams? He would be a garbage truck driver or (laughs) Spider-Man. But for me, my dream has always been within the element of teaching from as a child setting up my stuffed animal school in front of my toy box to making my dream a reality in my 20s and entering my first classroom. And even now, the aspect of teaching 
is still part of my dream within my speaking and writing. But sometimes our dreams are becoming a reality right before our eyes and we don't even realize it until we look back and see. Our once upon the time past is cluttered with difficulty and pain that leads us to our happily ever after present. The journey I've been on in the past few years gives testimony of that very promise in Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. And it happened in the midst of a pretty crummy 2020. Mm-hmm. I believe it's going to continue into 2021. Well, and I think about, you know, so many of us with writing dreams and speaking dreams and really wanting to make an impact in the kingdom and how the enemy just loves to come in and tear us down if he can and lie to us and make us feel like we don't really have anything to say. Our mm-hmm. testimony's not horrible enough or our testimony's too horrible. I mean, it's you get it from both ends. And, you know, God, he puts that desire in our hearts to want to glorify his name and let him use our life in a way that will bring hope to others. And we can be so wrapped up in all of the stuff around us. And especially with 2020, I mean, that just gave us a perfect opportunity to see how we will respond when things are really bad. And we don't get to do what we want to do, but he still works right in the midst of all that. He does. I mean, he is always forming our story for for his glory. And we just have to be willing to see the good in what he has in our lives, even when the good doesn't look so good at the moment. So what hope does scripture give us as we make plans for just our future? And that's kind of a loaded question because there's such uncertainty with our future. Right. Well, I think if you read scripture, you see there's a lot of uncertainty from every single narrative that we have. The people didn't know was what God was doing, even though we know now looking back. And typically I live in the Old Testament. I am an Old Testament girl. And as I was thinking of Romans 8.28, I was thinking the counterpart of that in the Old Testament could possibly be in Jeremiah 29. It's a verse that many people claim for their life, and many of your listeners probably know it by memory. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So just like in Romans 8, 28, the prospect of hope in this verse sounds delightful. Don't you agree? (laughs) And yet on both accounts, these verses are given in midst of severe trials. In fact, Jeremiah writes this verse in a letter sent to God's people during the fulfillment of one of the most devastating times in all of biblical history. God's people have just had their city destroyed. Everything was annihilated. Their temple is burned to the ground. Their artifacts are stolen. They had to walk over 900 miles to a foreign land to live as captives. And just like 2020 was unkind to us, creating all kinds of turmoil and obstacles, so was the exile of God's people. It wasn't like the men of Babylon came into the city and said, hey, why don't you all pack up your things and come with us? When you're out of the town, we're going to burn it and destroy it. But hurry up so you don't get out safely. 
it, that's not how it happened, even though the details aren't necessarily in that narrative. The enemy came in like a bulldozer to destroy them, just like he does to us. We find a little bit of their story in the book of Joel, because the prophet gives his people a warning and he describes what the day of destruction would look like. He uses words like, you will be trembling, that there is a day of darkness and gloom coming when large and mighty armies will come. They come into the land which you see as Eden, and they're going to leave it like a wasteland. And at the sight of them, the nations are going to be in anguish and everyone's face is going to turn pale. The people in the city are afraid. They're terrified for their lives. And he describes the army of Babylon as they charge the city like warriors. They scale the walls. They rush upon the city and run along the walls. They're climbing into the houses and entering through their windows and stealing their, their property. The day of the Lord is dreadful. This sounds completely frightening and the people of Judea experienced. Well, and I don't think at that point, you know, most of us today, when we hear Jeremiah 29, 11, it's all happy. You know, we don't think about the context that it was written in. And that's some pretty severe discipline, judgment, whatever that was. And you probably could say better than I, because you're so tuned into the Old Testament and understand all of the context, which I don't. But my goodness, you know, it, it is that bittersweet thing again, that we don't get all that good stuff in 2911 unless we've gone through some of that hard stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah. The people that had arrived in Babylon were devastated. And then Jeremiah walks in or sends this letter and his messenger walks into the city and he says, Hey, this is what I want you to do. And the beginning of Jeremiah 29 talks about how they're to live in this foreign land. He tells them to, to pick up their, their bags and get started building your houses and planting gardens and get married and have a family and seek peace in Babylon. And then he tells him, pray for the city of Babylon, because if they prosper, so will you. And then it is when the promise comes. But the promise is given 70 years after they arrive in Babylon. And that's when the verse happens. For I know the plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And you know that the people, many of them that heard this promise would not even see it to completion. I mean, 70 years is a very long time. In fact, many of the people that would see it fulfilled were not even born during this time. And they would have to be taught from the generations that had followed them to really believe in what this promise would become. And, and when we think of the dreams that we have for ourselves, we have to recognize that they are first formed in the heart of God as a promise. Before we were even born, he, kn he knows the plans he has for us. And once we're born, he begins to navigate that path so that they'll be accomplished. But we have to continue to live just like they did in Babylon in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, even 2020. Yes. And, you know, it's so much in America that we hear from churches that ascribe to a prosperity gospel. It's kind of like 
we would look at that scripture and go, okay, Jeremiah 29, 11 looks like you're getting us out of here like right away. We don't have to wait for 70 years before this changes. We shouldn't have to go through this, you know, and and I think it's it's hard for us to really see from that because it's not uh, rainbows and sunshine and happy, you know, happy, happy. Don't worry, be happy. I mean, yes, we need to be joy filled, but we need to understand suffering's part of the deal. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we, if we think about it, we are exiles here on this earth because our home, our future hope is in heaven. And that is when good is ultimately fulfilled. And so we may never see good here. And, and just like I was thinking through even, so we have the narrative of Daniel that happens during this 70 years of exile of his life in Babylon. And if you think about it, you know, he, he and his friends, they experienced a lot of difficulty in Babylon. I mean, we see his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were being forced into a fiery furnace. And God didn't come and just like not allow it to happen. He allowed them to go through it. But we have the example that he was in it with them. And even if they would still worship him, even if God took them home, he they still knew that he was God. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. And that's, you know, I often, I almost feel like uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 is used a little bit in that kind of, you sh- you won't have to suffer. He's going to just make everything poof. He's going to be a genie and everything's going to, bad's going to go away and everything's going to be happy. And that's when you read it in the whole context there, it's a totally different story. Right. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's definitely happening in the middle of devastation. And, but that's the beauty of it, that God meets us in our devastation with amazing, glorious promises. Exactly. And that certainly, I think that's what speaks to other people when mm-hmm. they can see us joy filled in the middle of our train wreck of whatever's going on around us with people sick with COVID or, you know, lost our jobs or, you know, any of those number of things that people are experiencing, even God's people are experiencing those things to really be able to rejoice and stand out with some grace and some, you know, just his presence. That's, that's not what a lot of people see. But having that hard time is what I think people resonate with. Because they know you're not just happy because everything's going good. You're happy and filled with joy because he's with you. And I think that's why often when people see believers and they think their lives are all put together and perfect, it's because we can speak of joy even in the midst of trials. And so things that may look devastating to us, we can find the good in it because we have a good God. And it's a complete sentence. He is good. There is no, nothing added to that. It's part of his nature. He cannot be anything but good. And so I just, I think that the world looks at us like we're kind of crazy. And yet we just, most of us don't put our stuff out there because we want people to recognize God is working in it and he will work it together for our good. Amen. Amen. 
So let me ask you this. What roles did God have for you to prepare you for the ministry that he has for you today? Well, as I said, when I was a little girl, God placed in my heart a dream to become a teacher. And through that goal being accomplished, he opened doors for me to um, go to graduate school and receive a degree in curriculum development. And my dream was to write curriculum for the district that I'd been teaching in and to take a lead role in that very large, successful district in our area. But a shift in the plan came when I was asked to come on staff at my church. I began leading our kids' ministries and writing curriculum that was used not only by our church, but by other churches in our association. And then he moved me into writing for our youth ministries and curriculum for them. And then about eight years ago, he led me kicking and screaming to lead our women's ministries. (laughs) And it's there I began to have a heart for women and writing Bible studies. And I began to teach more on a consistent basis. And the ministry tripled within a year. And I thought, this is God's final resting place for me. And this is where I'm going to live the rest of my life. But as we know, God's plans is just more preparation. And so he threw a wrench in my plans. And one Sunday, I was asked to fill in as the worship leader at our church. And one Sunday turned into two and two Sundays turned into three. And this January coming up, I'm going to be starting my sixth year leading worship at our church. Yeah, it's been an amazing journey. And I had no idea that God's plans would be so much bigger with the new opportunity that he began to open these doors through being a worship leader because I was thrust into creative arts learning video and graphic design as I planned each Sunday. I developed the sermon themes from our lead pastor's ideas with all the media elements. I was on the platform every week, leading worship and developing my teaching and speaking to a higher level. And even though my story, as we were just talking about, sounds like a tidy, well-planned journey, I assure you it was littered with so many difficulties. I mean, from the tension of a woman in a role that's typically filled by a man, especially in a Baptist church, (laughs) spiritual abuse that I didn't even recognize at the time, the lack of solid leadership in our church led to so much frustration and the road was just hard. I remember at times asking God to release me from this place because it was just too much and I was tired and I was worn. And ironically, even after all these many years, there are times that I still feel that way in the role at church. And I'm sure those on ministry staff can resonate with me. But we know the work of the church is not for the faint of heart. And you can just read the letters of Paul and and the journey that he had in Acts. One of the ways God kept me grounded through this time was through beautiful Christian friends, mostly outside our church that I could openly share with. And they encouraged me to keep running the race and to be faithful to what God had called me to do. So as I remained faithful, I began to feel God stirring within me. And I knew he was preparing me for something more, although I didn't know what the more was. And one day I would see good in the midst of all of these difficulties. Wow. Now, I love how what you first thought with your curriculum development training, what you thought God would open the door for and kind of what your dream was and how God took that. I mean, 
he used that training in you to do amazing things, but it just looked totally different than it would have looked had you been in that secular environment using your gifts for that. Exactly. I mean, the training that I had was exactly what I needed to really help build a program, a ministry that ministered to our kids and ministered to our parents. Um, And then through, as I said, youth and women's ministries, and even within worship ministries, because really, as you lead people, there has to be some type of an element of organization to take someone um, as a worship leader, someone who has been just off doing their you know, life during the week, not even really thinking about God in a very intentional way. And in 20 to 25 minutes at the beginning of a worship service to take them from the scatteredness and the despair that they are in before the throne of their father, recognizing that they are loved and they are valued and that he is the only one who can offer them what they need. It's, it takes a lot of just thought process and the spirit working, the spirit using me and our team to be able to really help them encapsulate what God is calling them for that week. Wow. That is just to see the, the windy road that God kind of took you on into all these areas where you would be stretched. You would be, you know, I'm sure there were times when you were just I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. I cried a lot. I'll tell you that. (laughs) But how he's refined you and strengthened you and given you new gifts and new, I mean, it was there, obviously he knew it was there, the creative arts piece and that ability. Wow. I just love that progression that he took you through and prepared you and still prepared you for even more that you didn't know was coming. Right. Exactly. So how, how have you seen God work for good over the past few years in your life, even through a year like 2020? Well, a couple of years ago in the middle of all the changes that were happening in my church life, my friend Erica, some of you may know her, Erica Wiggenhorn, she's an author and speaker, and she encouraged me to write a proposal for one of the Bible studies that I had done and to attend the Speak Up conference with her. And so she guided me through this process. And, and then when I attended that first summer, and that's when I met you, Athena, you know, I had no idea how the publishing world worked because, you know, I thought I would just show up with my idea somebody would snatch me up and make me a bestseller. And little did I know that God through it all had a much bigger plan than just giving me a writing contract. Looking back, I can see that his plan was more about the needed connections that would walk me through this journey of being published. He had a much bigger picture than I did. And Athena, I remember sitting down with you for my first appointment and I felt I felt bad for you and the couple people that I met because we were you were all at the very end of your appointment list and and if you've never been to a writing conference like this it's where it's like speed dating you sit down you have 15 minutes to share your idea and then move to the next person and these literary people that are there to encourage you have listened to person after person after person and so I was one of the last ones coming to you and I remember sitting down and just saying like, I've never done this before, so I don't know what to say. And you walked me through each step 
and immediately began to offer so much encouragement and affirmation that I knew that I was on the right path to something bigger that God was doing. And even though nothing happened that year in getting a Bible study published, and the disappointment was real, but God was still working, putting each piece in place, continuing to mold me and make me into the person that he was calling to me to be. Another year came and went, and another conference would come and go, and you and I would connect again, but still no real movement. And I began to doubt that this was even meant to be. But then 2020 happened, and it's a year that I will not easily forget. The world shut down, and for the first time in 50 years, or 30 years, I was at home just like the rest of you, working from my couch, trying to figure out how to do church online and navigate this time that shifted me from always doing to at times just simply being. Mm. And that's when you offered the She Writes for Him first boot camp. Now, I'm a girl who loves interacting with others, and my soul was missing the connection. And so I had some time in my schedule, so I decided to sign up, and I reconnected with Redemption Press and with you. I made some new friends along the way. And then right after the boot camp ended, you did the She Writes for Him conference, which was phenomenal. And if you are even thinking about writing at all, there's one coming up in March that you should be a part of. Amen. (laughs) That's right. She Writes for Him, conference.com. Go sign up. (laughs) But I attended this conference and I am not really the type of person that can just sit back and observe. I like to have a job. And so I just gave myself a job at your conference as the conference photographer. And I, I know that in a conference, you get all these amazing memories because you get pictures of all the speakers and all the people that are attending. And you have these great snapshots of what has happened. And, but an online conference just feels so isolated. And so that's when I began to take screenshots and just put some memes together that would give us memories of what had taken place. And for you to remember your first conference that you did online. And it was during that time of that conference that God began to bend my heart more towards Redemption Press in a greater way and more towards being obedient to what God had called me to do. I even told my husband after the conference, I wonder if Athena would ever have a role for me at Redemption Press because I would love to work for her and with her, never knowing what God had in plans. And and you never told me that. (laughs) No, I hadn't. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I began to get to know you so much better. I read your book and learned about your life. I listened to your devotional that you started doing each night on Facebook Live. I was filled with such great respect for your passion for truth in the word and how you encourage those who listened. I loved the 30 or 40 days we did on a, living a life of holiness. It was so inspiring. And so it was after that conference that I made the decision to jump in and publish my first Bible study with you. Fear had been holding me back all along, but I knew that God was asking me to do it. And so I decided I just needed to do it scared. Uh-huh. So from the moment we met at Speak Up, the affirmations of your gifts you saw in me had come back full circle as I took this step of obedience to really fulfill the calling God had for me. And the writing process at Redemption Press has been so much fun. Just the coaches have been phenomenal. And then I thought this writing a Bible study was the good, but God was still working out something much greater. So a few weeks ago, you happened to just message me and asking me to pray about a role that you had at Redemption Press. And I actually gave you a name of a friend instead of just putting me out there. (laughs) 
and told you I could help if you needed something. And that's when you called to discuss an opportunity for me that God, I see now has been preparing me in the last 30 years with all the shifts and challenges and difficulties and successes he's given me in ministry. In fact, I'll never forget when I sent you that text message or the Facebook messenger, you said, will you please pray for me? Uh, You know, I have a significant person that was really a key in developing the content for the boot camp and the conference and the tribe, the shawl, the she writes for him, different initiatives that we have going. And we met at the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association in 2016. And I knew then, and even said it to her then, we're going to do some, put some conferences on together. I had no idea. I didn't have anything on the radar, but I just knew we were going to do that. And she ended up coming on and working with Redemption Press in the area of marketing and editing and coaching. She coached you on your Bible study, which is her, that's her lane, and she's great at it. But she also took on helping us develop the different conferences, the She Writes for Him compilation. She's kind of the general managing editor for that. So she had all these different roles that she was utilizing with the gifting that she had. She's a adjunct professor at Trinity University and teaches online on Zoom. So she, you know, she had all of that background when it came time for us to shift from doing everything in person, which is what we always did before, to doing everything online. And so the gifting she had and the the education she already had really helped us form the boot camp and the actual three-day conference that, I mean, it was five weeks from the time I had the idea that we needed to do it and the time we actually had the event, which still blows my mind. Well, fortunately, most people had time in their schedule because all their writing and speaking engagements were canceled, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It was definitely, it was God's province and, you know, it was just amazing. But there was a lot. I mean, we just had so much coming from that. We had over 400 women join and attend that conference. We've had 30 to 40 women in three boot camps already. We have another one coming up in February, starts February 4th, I believe it is. So there's a lot, there was a lot of work there. And early November of this year, we were having a team retreat and Cynthia came to me and just said, God really very intentionally, specifically, and firmly told me I needed to delegate some of the things on my plate that I have, you know, she has a contract with Moody. So she's also doing a Bible study for Moody, like Erica Wiggenhorn does Bible studies for Moody. That's due in August. She hadn't even started on it yet. She was spending a lot of time in helping me create content for these different initiatives. And she just felt like the Lord was saying, I need you to use that creative piece and gifting in you to do some of your own things that I've been calling you to do in your ministry. And so while I totally understood that God would be having her do that, it was still kind of freaked me out. Like, Lord, what are you doing? I mean, that is such an integral piece because she is a total font snob a color snob, all of the creative pieces in us developing uh, the She Writes for Him branding. 
I knew what I liked, but she would always come in and tweak and use her, that gift in her of the creative arts to make it even better. And so I'm looking at all this big hole that's going to be left. And I mean, I'm one of those people that I'm always all about trusting God and he is going to work everything together for good, all things, not just some things. So I had to kind of remind myself, don't freak out, girly. He's got it. Just trust him. So I'll just never forget when I messaged you and said, I'm going to be talking to Cynthia in the next few days and figuring out what she needs to hand off. So I'll have a better idea what, what I need to, what, what I need to fill. And when we finally had our conversation a few days later, every single piece, she even used to lead worship. You probably didn't know that. I mean, so every piece that I was going to lose with her moving that over to her own ministry rather than the Redemption Press. She was still staying on in a number of roles, but those were the areas that had to go for her. And I was just in awe because it was like everything that I needed that I was losing, you were gifted with. And I didn't even know when I asked you that, that you'd already said to your hubby, Kelly, I wonder if there would ever be an opportunity. So I love that. Wow. Yeah. It was it was a fun conversation just to see the pieces falling together and how God just allowed all the things that he has given me such a passion for to become a reality in, in a greater way than I ever would have imagined. I mean, doing these things for my church and I do a lot for our association has been an amazing training ground, but but I know God's going to just take it to the next level. He He's ready to move, not just me, but Redemption Press and what you're able to offer so many women who are just longing to tell their story. And so how can we be come alongside them and, and use our gifting so that the kingdom is just multiplied because people are hearing truth. Amen. And what could have been disastrous. I mean, really, when I first heard it and felt this profound loss and, you know, just this grieving, oh, Lord, what, you know, this is bad. This is bad. You know, the sky is falling. Lord, don't you see this? And how another Romans 8, 28, full circle, just, I just stand in awe of how he had you waiting in the wings. You didn't even know it. And neither did I. Nope. Well, that's because our God, he knows the plans he has for us. I mean, they're plans for us to prosper. I'm thankful that I didn't have to wait 70 years like the exiles did, that 30 was long enough. And so it's just going to be a joy to to be on this journey and to see what God's going to do. Amen. So as we kind of wrap up our time together, because, you know, we definitely could go probably for a couple hours easy. But we're going to wrap it up here. And I would love for you to share what you would like to leave with our listeners today. Well, I think as the podcast is titled All Things Romans 8.28, I like to take Romans 8.28 and kind of paraphrase it to let us be reminded that if it's not good, then God's not done. And so what can we do in the meantime while we're waiting to see the good? 
I think we can go back to actually Jeremiah 29, because after the promise is given of the plans, he gives them some action steps and he tells them to be praying. If we're not praying about what God has for us, then we're just playing. And prayer has to be an integral part of everything we do. We need to become women of prayer. We need to be seeking. We need to spend time discovering truth in the word. We live in a world where truth is no longer valued. And we need to know the truth because we don't just need to discern between what is right and wrong, but we need to discern between what is right and what is almost right. We need to know the truth of the word for God to be able to really use us. And then we need to be available. We need to watch where God is working and follow him there. It's not about our plans and our agenda. It's about seeing what God's doing in our life. And then we need to be willing to say yes, even when we're scared. And then be reminded, as I said earlier, that the ultimate good comes after this life in the glorious presence of our God. Titus reminds us that we need to be looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, because the good comes in his glorious appearing so that as we are ending this year, 2020, we can cry out with confidence, even so come for Jesus. That is where we will find ultimate good. That is so good. If it's not good, then God's not done. What a game changer to understand, just to have that in our hearts and ponder that and know, okay, I'm, I guess I need to learn how to be more patient, (laughs) but that, that is, if it's not good, then he is not done yet. Wow. And be praying, be seeking and be available. It's such simple action steps, but. The enemy is going to try and keep us from doing that. And so, of course, he tries to distract us from praying and keep us too busy to pray and get our eyes off of the Lord and his will and what he's doing in our lives and put it on the circumstances and then too busy to even be available or too worn out. And so those are some simple but powerful action steps that we can all look at for 2021 and say, okay, Lord, I need your help in this. Show me what this looks like for me. Well, my yellow girl, which is what I always, everything you design, one of your favorite colors, I think is yellow, right? Indeed. Yeah. (laughs) And so I've always, at least for the last couple of years, it's been yellow girl. That's been my name for you. And it has just been an absolute delight to have you on today. Now, you have been doing some daily devotions on Facebook on your author page that I have been just really encouraged by. So is that where if people want to connect with you, even though your book's not out yet, but if people just want to get to know you a little bit better and connect with you, where's the best place for them to do that? Right now, Facebook is probably the place where I'm most, you know, Facebook and Instagram, Carol Tetzloff. Um, just look for my name, Carol Tetzloff, author, if you want to follow my author page. Um, and and then that way you can find out when my book is released this spring and and kind of get to know me through 
through that. I post a picture a day. I love taking pictures and, and creating memories and our family celebrates everything. And so, so yeah, you will get to know me through there and I would love to get to know your listeners and just begin connecting. Amen. Well, it has just been, I mean, this, I'm recording this on what I usually do as a day off. And so this has just been refreshing for me to have this conversation, to see in greater detail what God was doing behind the scenes, and I didn't even know it. So I am just so thankful to have you as part of the Redemption Press team, as a Redemption Press author, as a friend, sister in Christ. It has just been delightful over the last few years to get to know you better and uh, excited to see what God's going to do. I'm excited too. I think that we will be able to look back next year at this very same time and see in 2021, just his amazing work in both of our lives, as well as what he's going to do through the the people that you are able to engage with through Redemption Press. And she writes for him. It's going to be exciting. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.